Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Sam Harris. I imagine they'll be talking about meditation and probably some sciencey stuff. What do you think? Here he is, <laughs> preaching love, <laughs> Mr. Pendulette. Yeah, we're really preaching love. I had a, uh, I had a uh, really good time with Sam. You know, I guess I've known Sam digitally for like a decade. Yeah. And we have all the same mutual friends. I mean, really, we we knew everybody the same. So we're talking about all people know, but we've never ever been in the same room before or talk to each other. And it's a very weird experience. Uh, you'll hear because Sam Harris has been talking in my head, doing all this meditation with me. And now I'm sitting across from him talking. And um, what I want you to notice when you're listening to this, because I think it's really funny, is Sam Harris, as far as I know, knows nothing about music. Nothing. And I know nothing about sports. And all the way through, as we're talking about things, we both fail in analogy because <laughs> he keeps going, put a little top spin on it, put a little top spin. You know, when you're in the zone playing tennis and you feel this, you feel that. And I come back to going, you know, when you're playing the charts and you're just going down, you're going from one chord to another. And neither one of us has any idea what the other one's talking about, but we're talking. Here I am with Sam Harris. You know, uh, I'm here finally uh, meeting you. And to be completely honest, we met 15 minutes before now. Yeah. But I've known yeah. about you since, uh, I guess, the first book. And we have every mutual friend in the world. And you are in my head every single day. As of tomorrow, it'll be four hundred days in a row. That's amazing. That I have done. Yeah. I have done waking up with you. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and this uh, meeting of you now and this uh, thinking about uh, interviewing you has fucked up my meditation beyond right. belief. Because right. <laughs> as, you're, as you're talking, yeah. uh, as you're telling me uh, to, uh, to pull back and is telling me loving kindness, I'm thinking, I'll have to ask him about this on the show. And then, then I have to use my thinking as a focus right. of my thinking and you're screwing up everything. Well, we're, we're here now. So it's, it's uh, your troubles are, are over. I know. I should yeah. be able to just relax and just go into that. You know, you are... Um, uh, entirely responsible for me meditating. Yeah, so remind me. So we had a, again, we've been pen pals by email for yeah. now a couple of years. And you, you wrote out. Uh, uh, but you, you, did, did I reach out to you or did you reach out to me about you starting meditation? I, I, felt like I don't know. You sent me uh, very early uh, the, 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 the spiritual without religion book. What's the right, title? Waking Up, yeah. Uh, yeah what, waking Up. Yeah. And my app is just a direct descendant yeah, of that yeah. book, yeah. And... Um, I was incredibly troubled by it, incredibly mm. troubled. I read it in, um, I, I think, 
most of it one night in the bathtub with insomnia. Right. The same time that um, that that Bob Dylan's Frank Sinatra record came out. So Bob Dylan was singing Sinatra. And an atheist was telling me about being spiritual, and my whole world was crumbling yeah. that night in the bathtub. And the stuff that you uh, wrote so beautifully about, about the split brain stuff, mm. and the idea that we might have a uh, part of us riding on board that we weren't aware of, my mind was blown. I wrote to our mutual friends, Richard Dawkins mm-hmm. and uh, Lawrence Krauss, yeah. and I said, yeah. uh, now, why, do we have to accept this? Sam Harris and, and they said, "Well, he likes acid. You know, right, maybe yeah. maybe that can maybe that'll calm you down a <laughs> little." Blame it on the drugs. Blame it on the drugs. Yeah. And um, one of the things that confused me about your book was you talked a lot about. Uh, I don't think these are your words, but other people's words of the monkey chatter mm-hmm. in, in in the brain. There's a constant chatter going yeah. on. The uh, talking to yourself. Yeah, is is a. Uh term of jargon among Buddhists, the, the monkey mind, monkey which, mind. The, the way your mind just jumps around from thought to thought. And uh, and uh, you, you use the example at some point somewhere. Uh, I've listened to so much of you that I'm not going to be able to mm-hmm. give the exact citations. But the idea that uh, we, we are, are so talking to ourselves, if we were walking down the street saying out loud what we're thinking, it would be clear insanity yeah. and uh, and yet we just take that as a given I mean, that that's linger on that for a second i mean there's i don't think there's anyone who doubts that if you this is, and this is such a strange thing psychologically that if you just imagine your automatic thoughts exteriorized on a loudspeaker so that everyone can hear them there's no way you would sound sane and yet the fact that they're not exteriorized and you're the only one hearing them that seems completely normal. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's a very strange status quo. Very strange, very yeah. strange. And But what I was so taken by in your book was that it didn't bother me. And your book seems to um, really hit on how hard you were trying to get rid of that. And yet it wasn't something that had ever troubled me. Right. And so it was a real leap of faith for me to say, Okay, well, I'll try to stop. You you had a solution that mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem for, yeah. And I didn't yeah. know, uh, and still, uh, when I uh, when I choose to let my, uh, I have a little more control now. Certainly not the kind of control I should have, but I have a little more uh, control. Uh, I still very much enjoy being lost in my thoughts, and right. it's yeah. never been. I've never been someone very tortured by my thoughts it's never been a, a, a torturous thing it's always been a well, kind of pleasant it thing. is strange that we do we simply do not have a capacity for boredom in the presence of our own thoughts i mean if you had a friend who was telling you the same thing over and over again you'd very quickly notice the anomaly but when you tell yourself the same story over and over again yeah it's just you're just just you're the best audience in the world that is interesting. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know this uh, this author uh, Nicholson Baker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Nicholson Baker wrote a book called The Mezzanine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of yeah. one of my favorite books, and uh, it's 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 thoughts from a person entering the front of their building yeah. to the escalator. Right. It's right. fifteen steps. Yeah. The whole book is every thought they have during that, and when he nails one of them, which he did several times, uh, Nicholson Baker and I are the same age, we're both 64, mm. which makes a very big difference with that book, because the cultural references are going to be exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the character in the book, which is very close to Nicholson Baker, uh, every time he sees vitamin C, 
every time he sees a bottle of vitamin C. Without exception, in his mind, he goes, uh, living on reds and vitamin C and uh, cocaine, all a friend can say is ain't it a shame from the Grateful Dead, which I'm not a deadhead, hate the dead, but every time I see vitamin C, uh, that goes in my head. And it is incredible how often the chatter that I have is song lyrics, Mm -hmm. Um, really constant. And uh, I also didn't have, I mean, this is the... What I found so fascinating about meditating uh, with waking up is um, benefits that aren't solving a problem. Uh, And that's so interesting to me. Mm. I mean, it's not, there's no sort of epiphany. It's not like, there's no like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm finally here. It's just like, oh, this is a little better. This is a little nicer. And most of your stuff in the book is not that gentle. It's it's a little bit more. Um, well, the, there are epiphanies to be had. I mean, there are step changes mm-hmm. that that you don't come back from, um, and there are uh, epiphanies about problems that you've had but haven't noticed mm-hmm. are problems, or you haven't noticed their gravity up, up until that moment. And and there's ways of of becoming sensitive to the mechanics of your own psychological suffering, such that you realize, oh, this thing I thought was normal or at least not starkly pathological is actually you know uh, a, a, you know, it's on some other spectrum a, a sign of you know mental illness on some level you know it's like, yeah. like it's yeah. like this 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 is a a normal variant of psychosis and everyone it's just it's so well subscribed that we don't call it pathological but mm-hmm. the, the fact the fact that we spend more or less every waking moment lost in thought. I mean, thinking without knowing that we're thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, a a real similarity between that state and the state of being asleep and dreaming and not knowing that you're dreaming. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're asleep in your bed dream, dreaming, you are in situations that are purely fictional and you're not aware of it. I mean, it's, it's just if you could get up and act out the content of your dreams, you'd be a, a, a total psychotic. The fact that you're immobile in your bed is the thing that makes this benign but you are completely confused about the situation you're in. And when we're out in the world, in the waking state, thinking incessantly, having a conversation with ourselves, having a conversation with people who aren't there, rehearsing things, regretting things, anticipating things, and in every moment, identified with each thought that appears in consciousness. I mean, each thought is is an object in the field of consciousness but it's not recognized as such. It sort of comes up from behind us and fully captures our attention. And we're just that we're just busy being identified with either a piece of language or an image or some, some kind of contraction of attention that we don't recognize. It is a state of, well, once you can break that spell with, with real mindfulness, you recognize it is a state of confusion that keeps reasserting itself on your attention moment by moment. Now, um, I, I I know that as uh, as atheists and so on that the that this word kind of means nothing. But um, in terms of natural, mm. uh, we all you know, there's no there's no separation between us and animals that that matters. It, you know, it's all it's all just a a question of evolution and design and mm. finding that kind of uh, not design evolution and uh, falling into niches and so on. Why would we have something that we can describe as psychosis that we have to do something so um, 
so planned as meditation to get out of? Mm. Well, a, a couple of reasons. One is that evolution can't see or care about our well-being, of right? So, I mean, the evolution has all, the only thing, the only fitness function that our, our ancestors have had to track is any variant in their genes that allows for success in procreation and survival, right? right? So that, that's the only thing that, that evolution is tracking. So really nothing beyond 20. Well, I mean, it, a little insofar as extended family yeah. is helpful, like yeah. you, you being around to help your grandkids, right. that's, uh, you know, so that there's, there's no hard cutoff there, but it's still, it does not see, you know, 99% of what we actually care about as civilized human beings at this mm -hmm. moment. And certainly no sophisticated notion of, of uh, what it takes to live an examined life or or a deeply fulfilling one. Um, there's also just the fact that language is so has been so useful to us as as social primates that it once it gets tuned up, it just never stops. And there's, there was no reason for evolution to build us an off switch, right? So it was like mm -hmm. so once it, once you're a toddler who's beginning to understand the, the, the statements of the, the language users around you and define yourself in relation to them and, and uh, you know, you use language back, you begin to internalize this, this conversation and you're then left talking to your, quote, self, even when your parents are out of the room, right? And, and it just, it never turns off until you actually... In, inspected enough deliberately so, a, so that it's a quality of life thing that uh, in in no way impacts your survival right so that's that's the reason well, it, it, go I, away. it may no it may well impact our survival now but not you know historically in terms right. of what you know could be gen genetically selected for right no I mean, we're you know we've got tribalism and xenophobia and you know right. all of that had selective pressure on it We've got in-group altruism, so that's the sort of the the, the, in the the most rudimentary sense of ethics. But in terms of what it takes to live a sane life in a stable global civilization, we we have to build the tools based mm -hmm. on on the, the the fairly shoddy tools that we we've gotten as as apes. So uh, yeah, so it's it's like anything else that you would learn. Uh, in the 21st century that might massively improve your life that does that that can be hard won. I mean if, if learning to play a musical instrument or learning to get in shape or learning to um, uh, understand other cultures and you know to just take the best ideas of, of all the world's literature I mean all of that takes a lot of effort and it can be immensely rewarding to do and yeah I mean you know we have not been tuned by evolution to do that easily or certainly quickly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting because you're not, uh, you're not really trying to fix a, um, a flaw so much as in increasing the quality of life. Like musical instrument is not something that one needs to live, but right. one needs it to live. One needs well, to have a, have a beautiful life. Well, you're, you are, yeah, you are. I mean, the flaw is the, the actual mechanics of psychological suffering. So the, the question is, you know, why do we suffer, uh, you know, anxiety and regret and shame and embarrassment and 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 anger, you know, road rage, you know, all of the the, the, the relationship complexity and the just just the you know, the career uh, flame outs that come from 
negative emotion arising and essentially becoming an imperative to act to speech and action that winds up deranging our lives right so you so something happens in the world and you feel angry right now until you actually have a mindfulness practice until you can actually watch anger just the, the physiology of anger arise and pass away and and see the associated thoughts arise and pass away and and not feel the imperative to act and speak from you know for, you know on the on the wings of that emotion uh which is to, to break the link between anger and action until you can do that you are the mere hostage of anger and and, and so just how you, you however strong it is however long it lasts it's it will dictate what you say and do right um and most people are living in that place right they, they actually don't have an alternative that every thought that arises it feels like me and here's the angry thought like oh that that fucking asshole i cannot believe you said that to me i'm just and you're you know you're at the keyboard or you're you know the words <laughs> are coming out of, out of your mouth uh or in the, the most extreme case you're actually getting into a physical altercation with somebody and when you look at what's happening in the world and all of the the human misbehavior that leads to you know, virtually all of the needless human misery we experience, um, it is based on the fact that most people's minds are completely out of control, right? And so, much, so it, as, a, as a tool for mitigating needless human conflict on the outside and, you know, the internal suffering for, for an individual, you know, it's, it's practically unrivaled as far as I can tell. I mean, there's just no... There's, it's, also, it's also fun, yeah, you know, one of the yeah, it's interesting. That, yeah, uh, yeah. One of the things that uh, uh, I uh, I never had a, a real problem with, uh, with with rage or excessive amounts of anger or any of that. But when I do feel uh, an unpleasant emotion, mm. uh, I had never done that before going through uh, mindfulness, and it's really fun to just go, "Oh, that's shooting through my chest." Yeah, that's what I'm feeling there. That's that thing's going through my chest, and to be able to um, to be the observer of something happening happening in you is is really fascinating, really really fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed playing with that a lot as I as I got more. Because what I did was I I read your book and went crazy, mm -hmm. and then um, what was available to me, you sent me a. Um, an MP3 or something, but I, I sniffed around at that time before uh, waking up. The app waking up was out, and I, I ended up in Headspace. Yeah, and yeah I which, did, which I recommended, I believe. Yeah, and I I did the whole the whole beginners course and all that, mm -hmm. and then started doing the daily, and then when uh, and I was I chalked up. I was now at uh, 1,400 and something days that I haven't missed one mm -hmm. of the. Um, and I had Andy in my head. Andy yeah, was there. Yeah, Andy put yeah. yeah, telling me everything, and uh, then. You know, yours was coming out, and I had a horrible thing because my loyalty, I had completely yeah. attached myself to Andy, and yet right. you were the one that got me started. Yeah. So you then gave me this wonderful, peaceful solution, which was do both. Yeah. So now at night, I have Andy calm me down and make me happy about the world. And then the morning I get up and Sam tries to drive me crazy, right, right. which as far as I can tell, his is to make your life more, more calm and more pleasant, mm. and your job is to drive people crazy right that's, that's your goal well it, i mean there is there's a slightly <laughs> different goal i mean it's, it's you know it is a different goal. i wouldn't yeah. say i'm trying to drive you crazy but i am pushing for uh what i consider the most fundamental insights that are there to be mm -hmm. found through the practice so the it, it's totally possible to approach mindfulness 
or any meditation practice as a a tool of stress reduction as a you know a, a, a relaxation technique um, as just another you know quiver to put uh, as another you know arrow to put in the and quiver that was the of, stuff of I get. kind of didn't care about right I, right I, I don't have a lot of stress it wasn't a big problem for me yeah but it was still nice it was really nice right. that's why when I got when you started digging around and giving me uh, games to play with with uh, with inside of my head. Mm. Uh, Really great. So now I do, you know, I do ten minutes uh, of you in the morning and five minutes of Andy at night. All right. And I want to, uh, I want to expand that a little bit. But I want to tell you, what is the purpose? I'm going to jump around all over. Yeah, here please. I just don't care. Um, That's right. I've turned you into a nihilist. <laughs> <laughs> when you say for the last minute, mm -hmm. what is your goal there? Because I find myself, my major problem in meditation is stopping myself from guessing. When the last minute oh, yeah. is, oh, really? <laughs> because from doing bits on television and from doing bits live, huh. I really know where five minutes and ten minutes are. Yeah, yeah. So I find myself going, "Oh, the next thing he's going to say is going to be one minute right, left," right, right, yeah. and I, okay. I say, well, "How come this is pulling me out of the meditation every time at about eight and a half minutes?" Right. And then the last minute is just, "Wow, I nailed it! I really yeah, do." He's yeah, going. <laughs> Why do well, you, you, do you not? Thing? You're probably not the most common use case there because uh, <laughs> most people are, don't have that kind of wiring. But for me, it's, it's to give people a because you know, as you as you know, for most people, certainly in the beginning, the experience of meditation is of being lost virtually all the time. And then whenever I chime in saying, you know, you know, if you're lost in thought, come back to the breath or. I'm always catching you lost in thought mm -hmm. and you're, and you know, you're occasionally catching yourself and it can be frustrating. And so to frame the last minute as a, as a part of the, the 10 minute or the, or the 20 minute session. And you know, have you discovered you can do 20 minutes for I, on the I, daily, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but I have, I have to live some of the rest of my life. Yes. Yes. That's all right. Uh, which I, which I, I also want to understand. talk to you about. I'm so fascinated by the idea of doing some sort of long retreat, retreat but yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that a little later. Sure. Go ahead. So I, I just want to give people a kind of permission to, to really start again for the last minutes. Mm -hmm. Like just here, here's just a minute, right? You, you, you can't screw this up too badly. Yeah. Just take, you know, just, just start again. And it really is just, all the, the, the practice is always starting again. I mean, but the, the moment you notice that you're lost in thought and you, you come back to being mindful of anything, the next sound, the, the, the unraveling of the thought itself, the, the next sensation in your body, that's not a failure. It, it, it gets people in the beginning get frustrated by it and they, and they judge themselves. And, and the judgment is just yet another thought that they're not recognizing arising. Um, that is a that that is actually the practice to to break the spell yet again in that moment with a with a, another moment of mindfulness. So, it you know it's it's an endless discovery of your own capacity to 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 become identified with thought and then to 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 wake up and and so it's that's, really it's, uh, it's not a, it should shouldn't be frustrating. You, you just have to get over that very very early. Yeah, I don't have uh, yeah. I didn't have that much uh, that much frustration. What I do have, you know, is I can't you know I I know that you shouldn't be quite as uh, hung up on not ever missing a day as right. I am. Yeah, yeah. But uh, 
the only way I've accomplished in my life is that I am ritualistic and habitual. And when I'm going to put a habit of reading Sam Harris every day, you can bet it's going to be every fucking day. Yeah, well, that, if I miss amazing. one day, I'll never do it again. Yeah. It's as simple <laughs> yeah, as that. Yeah. I do everything. I you do everything yourself. by habit. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break here. I'm going to tell you my secret weapon for knowing stuff. My secret weapon for knowing stuff? What is your secret weapon for knowing well, stuff? Well, I read. I read a lot. You read a lot. I read a lot. But... uh and I forget a lot, but I also have added this other thing in, which is the books that I'm not going to read, like nonfiction books, yeah. I use Blinkist. And oh, it's, a, it's oh, amazing. Sure. I use it when I'm driving home. It's, uh, you know, I get about a 20-minute commute. In 15 minutes, they give me a summary of a book that is everything I would remember from that book anyway if I read the whole damn thing. It's really good. It's hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Eight million people are using Blinkist right now, and is a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, or to history books. Blinkist is the latest titles from best-selling list, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. I just listened to a thing called No Self, No Problem. Oh, yeah? A book about neurology and Buddhism. I listened to uh, the Bill Bryson book on the body. Oh, okay. I listened, to, uh, uh, right I listened to another book on the history of food, past four million years of food. Uh, really good, really good. And what I remember from these books is exactly the 15 minutes. If I read the whole book, it's all I would do. Uh, I use it driving home. I haven't tried using it other places, but I think I might. But I'm, good. I'm using it driving home for sure. So, Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special office just for our audience. Go to Blinkist dot com slash pen try it free for seven days save 25 25 off your new subscription that's blinkist spelled b-l-i-n-k-i-s-t blinkist.com slash pen to start your free seven-day trial you'll also save 25 percent off but only when you sign up at blinkist.com slash pen blinkist yeah Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I have this really, um, I'm really interested in this, this, this kind of alternate reality. You know, when I was uh, in high school, as everybody goes through their period of uh, heavy searching, I read a lot about yoga and meditation, which just would have been, you know, uh, early 70s. Right. So that, it was in the air at that point. It was yeah. in the air, yeah. And I tried some of it and came so close to really finding a groove there and then um, rejected it and didn't come back to it. And I always kind of mm-hmm. wonder, you know, TM was around there and TM was so bullshitty. Yeah, culty, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. culty and bullshitty. And also, and this is um, my prejudice, because I had 
the longest hair in my school and was thrown out for that. And because mm-hmm. I played rock and roll music. You can get thrown out of school for having can, hair that's too long? It, 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 you can have a lot yeah. of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> 72 in rural right. rural America, you can right. have trouble. Right. Um, uh, and uh, because I was searched for drugs all the time because everybody and, and assumed you, I was on drugs. For, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a history of no drugs, right? Never a sip of alcohol. Right. Never a Okay, I want I wanted to ask about that. Yeah, so we, we, don't we, let me we gotta, you. That's okay. where we got to go because okay. yeah, I want to talk to uh, you know. Obviously, the alcohol discussion was covered by Hitch. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> no doubt. We talked a lot about alcohol. You didn't have a meeting of the minds on that. But for psychedelics, I think it's yeah. uh, you. Uh, Rick Rubin and uh, and uh, Joe Rogan are working together on okay. me. All right, you're being <laughs> tag teamed. That's the that's the team there. But you know my um, my hatred of drugs and alcohol mm. was so phenomenal when I was in high school because I wanted to be uh, the ultimate rebel hippie, and I just thought that drugs and alcohol were part of the status quo. Right. Part of, I mean, I was so straight edge. And when I went to the punk, I was so straight edge there. It was always a real part of my personality that I could be, um, I could do whatever anybody else could do on drugs. I could do sober. I could get into more trouble than the yeah. drunks. You know, yeah. I could be more rebellious right. than the people that were tripping. But, but so just walk me through the, the rationale for never taking a sip of alcohol. I understand <laughs> taking a sip or several sips, yeah. and then realizing you just don't like it. But we, like, but where, how did we you don't, draw the line before ever taking a sip? We don't have, I don't believe I have access to, uh, to stuff that starts this early and this deep. But some of the reasons I can see is so I'm from a family of teetotalers that mm-hmm. go way back. Right. And most psychological studies will tell you that family use will give you a lot of information on that. So I never saw, my parents never discussed alcohol. Mm -hmm. It was never in the house. It was never considered. My parents never talked to me about drugs because it wasn't even a real thing. It was just, my parents were much older. My mom mom was 45 when I was born. So much older parents, kind of raised by grandparents kind of, which at my age, I mean, my mom uh, would be 110 yeah. this month. She was yeah. born in you know 1909. They just never talked about alcohol. So when I talked to Hitch about it, you know, Hitch said when he pictured um, drinking, he pictured Winston Churchill. You know? Yeah, he pictured yeah. grownups. Yeah. I pictured the first 12 year olds I saw drinking for the first time and vomiting. So there was no sense. I was also not, sophist- uh, wasn't not, sophisticated. not sophistication and power and no, success. None of that. And also, uh, I always wanted so much to be different. And I wanted, uh, you know, I was from a rural, big, dumb farm boy from rural Massachusetts. And all I wanted to be was from New York, Jewish and gay. Mm-hmm. The only three things I wanted in life right. were to not be all the things I was. Also, maybe to be small. I just didn't want to be six foot seven, you know, the the guy that Lenny Bruce would make fun of. Uh-huh. I didn't want to be. And I kind of, uh, Lenny Bruce was everything to me when I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And I kind of personified drugs and alcohol and thought that they'd killed a lot of my heroes. You know? Yeah. Well, that Hen- was certainly true. I mean, Hendrix. The, the, the John- downside was being well advertised, yeah. especially at age 27. They all seemed to kick off yeah, yeah. Well, Hank yeah. Williams invented that like everything yeah. else. Right. He invented yeah. when to die. Yeah. Um, and then it became, um, at a certain point, it became so, such a part of my personality, what I told people about myself, that it just became, and I also knew, um, 
I have never, ever been good, nor do I respect moderation. Right. So when I got fat, in order to lose weight, I could not lose a couple pounds a week. I had to lose 110 pounds in three months. You know, I, mm. I, I always want to do things the hard way and the intense way. Yeah. And I knew and that if I were going to do drugs, I would do them constantly in right. every way possible. Right. And it's interesting, perhaps, that the only drug that ever had any seduction to me whatsoever was, uh, was LSD. Right. You know. Well, so I mean, w one thing that is uh, confusing for a conversation like this is we, we have this one word, drugs, mm -hmm. which names this diverse class of yeah. compounds. And there, there are important dissimilarities between various drugs. So that you know, the, the classic psychedelics like LSD and psilocybin and DMT and mescaline are not drugs of abuse. I mean, they're not addictive. They're not, there's no evidence at this point that they're neurotoxic. People don't take them every day. I mean, you just don't, you, that's just not the pattern of usage, even for, now, for people who use them. But so. what about, you know, um, uh, Skip Spence and Brian Wilson? Uh, what what happened to them? Remind me. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, yeah. took yeah. an awful lot of LSD. Right. No, I mean people. You know, there are people who have taken hundreds of, of psychedelic trips, but they're not. You don't see the pattern of life derailment. So, okay, I should issue the caveat that you know some people lose their mind on psychedelics. Right? Yes. And there's some people who, and we, the causality there is not clear because we're talking about people. There's some number of people who are going to be tipped into schizophrenia or you know, some other uh, psychological disorder very often at the around the time when, when people are first trying drugs, if they're going to try drugs, right? So if they're in their sure. teens or in their 20s. And the causality there is is not necessarily clear, but let's just stipulate that there's some people who shouldn't try any drugs or certainly certainly shouldn't try psychedelics because they, let's say, you know, have some reason to believe that they're prone to psychotic thinking. Mm. All the evidence at this point suggests that they're physically very well, well tolerated. And the only, th you know, the, the real risk with, with a psychedelic like psilocybin or, or um, LSD is that you can have a, a very scary experience. I mean, you can have a bad trip if you're, mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if you're unlucky or if you're set and setting or not right. And, you know, and then that can, you know, pe there are people, you know, I have, I didn't take psychedelics for like 25 years because having taken them for a few years i got to uh, with a uniformly good trips i started to have some bad ones and the bad ones were just as bad as the good ones were good i mean it was really i was just bowled over by how unhappy you could be in one, one of these trips <laughs> and for an apparent eternity right so um so i stopped and also meditation became a much more i mean you you, you know it's a totally uh well-behaved tool to use it's not like you know a rocket launch that is going to take you in some direction that mm -hmm. you can't foresee so i got much more into meditation and also the, the the specific insights that you're targeting in meditation are really just a subset of, of what you experience in with psychedelics i mean psychedelics were incredibly useful for many of us to prove that it was possible to have a very different experience of of being a, a conscious mind, well, right? And one of the things I would often say, and I'm, I think I'm saying it because I remember saying it. I'm not. I haven't thought about whether I think it's true anymore. But uh, one of the things I felt getting out of high school. I mean, notice I don't say graduated, mm -hmm. but getting out of high school in '73, mm -hmm. 
I felt that an awful lot of what was good about psychedelics had already leaked into the culture. Yeah. Like maybe a lot of um, what was good about Jimi Hendrix doing LSD was coming. Came out of his guitar. Came out yeah. of the music, yeah. 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 And I thought that the, uh, I certainly, uh, if I had been one of the pioneers, you know, one of the first people to try it, I think I would have been very, very interested. Mm. But I also have the, the problem, you see, of, it's also with the drinking a little bit, you know. The first pers- people I heard talking after they did acid were not the uh, the most profound, articulate yeah. people. Yeah, you weren't with Aldous Huxley and I wasn't. And no, Albert I, Hoffman. I was with the guys Alan who, Watson, who were about to, uh, you yeah. know, wrap their cars around telephone poles, right. yeah. and yeah. they also were indiscriminate. I did not yeah. know anybody who was doing psychedelics. I knew people who were doing everything. Right, and in rural America. 72, 73, the people that were smoking pot and getting drunk and doing acid and doing heroin were all the same people all doing it at once. There wasn't sort of separate. Well, so there's a a very bright line for me between doing psychedelics recreationally, the way you do everything, any other drug, or the way you drink alcohol. Um, And so therefore going to parties, going to raves, going to concerts, and just kind of blowing your mind. Um, with uh, whatever drug is available and using them as as very precise tools for specific insights into the nature of mind well, and, that, and that and that that opportunity is actually there with with the, again the classic psychedelics and i would argue it's, it's also there with mdma which is Unfortunately, which is your first drug, right? Yeah, yeah, and and unfortunately, that is you have to issue more caveats with MDMA because I, I think there are, there is evidence that it is physically neurotoxic, and you know it, there's significant debate as to whether it is at the dosages that most people take. But um, it's not; it's by no means obviously physically benign in the way that something like LSD is, and. It's also a potential drug of abuse. I mean, MDMA is is something that you you know people can take and take too much of and feel feel that they want to take a lot. You know, there's there are very few people who want to take you know high dose psilocybin trips. You know, every every day or every week or I mean, it's just that's not the that's, that's not the, the the kind of relationship no, to the experience that gets kindled. That's very much. Uh, I didn't have um, in 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 my world, which was you know living. Uh, I was a street performer, mm. juggler, I guess you could say homeless, um, they, living like Bob Dylan said he lived but really didn't. I was hopping trains and hitchhiking and doing all yeah. that stuff, working carnivals. Uh. And the people that I was encountering were not the people who were doing um, who were doing drugs in a careful, controlled way. Right. I was I was deep. I mean, I was staying, you know, at biker clubhouses yeah, yeah. so I, I would imagine bikers and carnies are not the yeah they weren't the people yeah. to show me that so i was kind of and also uh, who became later a very good friend of mine lou reed mm-hmm. you know who used to always say to me he was fast i was once out to dinner with lou reed iggy pop and david bowie uh-huh. and the four of us were having dinner and lou started the conversation by saying this is uh, this is pen you know they just seen my show he's never done any drugs and then the entire Two-hour conversation was David Bowie going, LSD? No, none. Right. And then Iggy going, did you ever 
smoke pot? No, none. Yeah. And they would just name every drug they did in their life and go, right. really? And I was the freak show there. Yeah. They, I was yeah. the only one they wanted to. I was trying to talk about, you know, what, what are you guys doing? What are you up to? No, no, no. What's it like? Right. To live yeah. life like this. Yeah. Um, but Lou Reed, you know, had this wonderful thing that he would say about hating people in San Francisco. Because he said, you know, in New York, when we're getting fucked up, we're getting fucked up to get fucked up. And people in San Francisco pretending they're doing it for some sort of clear mental reason yeah. makes me sick. Right. Do fucking heroin, get fucked up. This LSD hippie shit, fuck it. Right. Right. So I had that inverse point of view yeah, yeah. From, from Lou Reed going, uh, if you're going to do drugs, do them like me. Right. You know. Right. So I had no right. sort of... Uh, All right, well, you had some misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, uh, I do have a great deal. You know, I was, I was, I was, Joe Rogan is always there going, yeah. it's right here in this box, Ben. We can do it right now. Right. 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 <laughs> Joe Rogan yeah. makes the Joe, entry very easy for me. Joe, Joe is good company. You, you can, uh, you'd be safe with Joe riding shotgun with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't really, um, you know, I'm very, very interested in that. But my, my, uh, point of view, about drugs was that at that time in my life, I probably made the right decision. Right. I probably yep. had, I mean, one of the reasons I was able to be successful was that the people so much smarter and more talented than me got so fucked up, <laughs> right. they cleared yeah, the way. Right. <laughs> you know, between religion yeah. and uh, and uh, drugs and alcohol, they took out an awful lot of my competition. Yeah. You know, I mean, the guys I knew who were way way funnier and more talented than me. You know, I remember, I remember when I used to do Stern, I'd do Stern like three days a week mm -hmm. uh, when I was uh, off Broadway in the late 80s. And you'd sit there with Sam Kennison, you know? Right. And he would be there so fucked up and still so good. Yeah, It was just, uh, it was so humbling. You'd just go, man, I, I've tried to get a night's sleep. I have notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm stone cold sober. He's fucked up. Man, he's funny. Yeah. Boy, is he yeah. good. You know, then I, people talk about state specific learning that if you learn to play guitar fucked up, you can probably play guitar fucked yeah. up. I guess his, his problem was probably coke and alcohol, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. 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 It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of that other yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it's really, um, and I also tried a, uh, uh, when Teller had his back operation last year, I did a uh, 14-day water-only fast. Mm -hmm. I was interested in what you could find out there. Didn't have many mental changes there. Just no? uh, How hard was that? Was it? Uh, Dr. Clapper, who's uh, Michael Clapper, who's one right. of the... Uh, Real fasting experts uh, came to hang out with me. Kind of, we wanted to. We were we were becoming friends. And had you already lost the weight, or was this part? I'd of already your, lost the weight. Yeah, uh, and I just wanted to try doing more extreme stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was there to take because after three days, if you want to be really careful, especially if you're older, you should probably have someone doing blood tests on you okay. and checking stuff to be safe. You shouldn't really fast over three days without somebody paying attention mm -hmm. to you. Clapper said. I had the worst uh, fast he'd ever seen. Right. He said, you never, ever dropped into being comfortable. And huh. he said, you still yeah. did it. And Clapper still carries on going, he wouldn't quit. Yeah. But he never hit, like like after four days, it's supposed to get easy. But this is never psychologically did. speaking, not in terms of your blood oh, value. No, phys yeah. physical. Okay. Physical, I was just, I just, my, my body just did, wicked didn't want to fast. Oh, so your, so your blood was yeah, was shrieking? And he was just watching. Beat me? Just going, you're okay, yeah. you're okay, but 
boy, right. you know, you could just stop now and go, no, I won't have another opportunity. Teller's not going to get another operation. I never take time off. You know, mm -hmm. I, there's 10 year period. I took one day off in that 10 years. Wow. I like to work. So okay. I'm not going to find another block of time. So let's do it and let's do it right. So I'm really interested. I also, I also talked to you when I had this two weeks that actually a little longer that Teller was going to be having his back operation. I talked to you about maybe trying to retreat. And, right. Silent retreat really interests me. All this stuff fascinates me and finding out more about how I think and how I do stuff like that. And meditation is so nice because I can do it every day and because um, uh, I, it's that wonderful way of seeing problems solved that I didn't know I had. Mm. It's a, it's mm. a wonderful feeling yeah. because I don't realize that something's a problem till I've solved it. That's right. the great thing about meditation. Yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. oh yeah, there was a lot of chatter, yeah. and now it's gone, and this right, is nice. Right. Yeah. So, how long did it take you to actually connect with the practice where you felt like, okay, I, this is actually interesting and seems to be worth doing? I am now. Uh, I have well. I mean, there, there had to be a period where you're just sort of taking yeah, it on some kind of faith. Like, when okay, Sam when, says this is going to be interesting. Yeah, they're probably pretty short. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was weeks. Right. It was not months. Yeah. Probably probably three or four weeks where I just kind of went. Did, did you happen to hear my podcast where I ambushed our, our mutual friend Richard Dawkins w with a, a guided meditation? No, I didn't. Yeah, this is this, this I, I used aired to listen to your podcast a lot, yeah. but okay. now You've got that no I'm time. doing the meditation, yes, right. <laughs> I can't listen to your podcast because otherwise when you do the voice in the meditation, I think back on things you said in the podcast right, and it fucks me up. Rail, railing against Trump or something, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You go, no, 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 no. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, but uh, no, did you ambush Dawkins? Yeah, yeah. He, and it sort of went over like a lead balloon. I mean, he just did not see the, the point of it. You know, I mean, I mean it was, you know, it, honestly, I don't know what would have happened to me had somebody put me in the same situation before I took psychedelics back in the day. I mean, it was like I, I was somebody who I think if you gave the technique to, and even the logic behind which you know, it should make sense. I think I would have closed my eyes, basically stayed thinking with my eyes closed, not known I was just lost in thought continuously, mm -hmm. and felt that there was just nothing to see. Like it was just I look inside, and there's just nothing to notice, uh, particularly uh, of interest. And I don't know that I would have persisted with it. The, th the thing, and I think I was, I, I said this, starting to say this a few minutes ago. The thing that was so important for many of us about psychedelics was not that we needed to keep taking them, but having a a a, a serious kind of breakthrough experience on on really any one of these drugs proves beyond any possibility of doubt that the the, the possibilities of consciousness are were far deeper and and vaster than you realized, and, and that and that and just 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 the, the mere memory of that puts the practice of meditation in a very different context because then you know that there's there's a there there even if you can't find it directly in in the first session the fifth session the 500th session you you there's just you, you have you've experienced this thing because you were just you know hurled into it for a period of hours and, and i can also learn from you yeah and so yeah if you can take somebody else's word for it well then that's also a, yeah that, that's to, that's yeah. what's uh, that's what's really fascinating and i'm right. also really having uh I I have not gotten once, and you know I I, I so 
I don't want to negate the whole experience by saying this is what I'm trying to do again. Mm. So it's it's it, the scorekeeping becomes very difficult on this. You know, when right. I I started playing upright bass very late, I started when I was 45 years old. Oh, and had you had you been playing another? I play I played electric. But, uh, okay. I hadn't played jazz. Okay, I mean hard bebop jazz when I started, right. uh, and there you know um, you can really use whatever you want to call it uh, willpower habit, mm. brute force. You can yeah. learn brute force. Uh, and I've always been able to get stuff done with brute force, always. Mm. And one of the things I wanted with fasting and one of the things I want with meditation is to be able to accomplish things without using brute force. Yeah. Because I have no problem with willpower and habits and stick to itiveness. I have no problem with that. Right. No problem with schedule. You know yeah, what I mean? That's right. If you say, we got to get this done by next week, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll get it done. I just, I'm able to do that. Mm. But I would like to be able to use fewer tricks. Bob yeah. Dylan said that his goal was to play guitar without tricks. Mm. And um, that quote is a really profound effect on me because mm. I'm really good at getting what I want by using all these kinds of um, tricks is the word. Uh, techniques that I've used to control my life. And what I wanted to do with fasting and what I wanted to do with meditation was find a way to just accomplish things without ambition. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, well, you can't, it's been working. It's been working a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the real paradox of meditation is you actually can't accomplish it in that way at all it's which like, is why like it's so eat. wonderful yeah. for me okay okay before sam actually gets me tripping balls uh we're gonna we're gonna take a break and come back and he will in the uh wednesday episode he'll be talking about how i don't have a head but for right now <laughs> that was Ben sunday school that was Ben sunday school cha 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 you become naked oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sam Harris. Also, you know, we all, it's, you can hear me struggling to understand stuff that Sam Harris just, I think, might have gotten with drugs. (laughs) Say what? Camels do help us do Jackson. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I love you. Hey everybody, Jason Ellis here from the Jason Ellis Show podcast, reminding you that my podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, downloadable where all podcasts are available. Come see my friends, Michael and Kevin, as we talk to you about what's awesome, what sucks, fitness, fighting, parenting, life, spin kicks, LGBTQ community, how to defend yourself against a shark if it attacks you out of nowhere, and much, much more. So come join us. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. 
source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 